We all have a yearning for love, but relationships can be confusing and complicated. Dr. Tammy Balashevsky says it all starts from within. It starts with a journey to center. Here's your host for Journey to Center on Empower Radio, Dr. Tammy Balashevsky. Hello, my precious friend, your unique soul, and my lovely, lovely soul sibling. I'm so grateful and blessed to have you part of my energetic reality and so happy that you're spending some time with us here today on Empower Radio and Journey to Center. So imagine, if you will, someone you love, someone you're in relationship with, not feeling quite right, and then going to a doctor and receiving a devastating diagnosis in an instant Life can be flipped upside down as you're spun around and the bottom falls out from under your reality. It can be so hard to process this information or know what to do next. And that's why I'm doing this show today as a source of support, information, and to gain compassionate insight as we spend time with my guest expert, touchstone of wisdom, and guiding light through dark times. We're so blessed to have with us Dr. Sherry Cormier. Sherry is a licensed psychologist and a professor emerita in the Department of Counseling, Rehabilitation Counseling, and Counseling Psychology at West Virginia University. She's a certified bereavement trauma specialist and engages in grief mentoring, speaking, and consulting in the areas of grief and loss, health and wellness, and stress management. Sherry is also the author of an amazing book designed to support people through grief and loss called Sweet Sorrow. Finding Enduring Wholeness After Loss and Grief. We had Sherry on the show a few weeks ago, and I enjoyed her so much and felt there was so much more information and insight to be gained and value to be shared that I've invited her back for another couple of conscious conversations. So Sherry, thank you so much for saying yes to this time together. I'm so excited to be back with you, Tammy, and all of your listeners and I just bless you for the work you're doing in the world, and I'm, I feel so grateful to be here again. Mm, I'm grateful, too. I love your sweetheart, your kind energy, your compassionate way of being, and um, I have a lot of compassion for the path you've walked, but I just want to acknowledge you and thank you for digging deep, doing your healing so that you can be a healer and touchstone for others that are walking through confusion and challenges in their own life. Mm-hmm. I hope I hope I can. I, I, that's certainly my intention and it feels like my calling and my path. And yes. um, so I'm just happy to share whatever knowledge and wisdom I, I have right now. Yeah, I, I really appreciate it. And and this is a tough subject. I mean, it's not one of yes. these light, fluffy, airy, fairy shows that I like to do sometimes. This really is digging in deep and going to the darker corners of being human and dealing with um, the realness of the how temporal this existence is. Yeah. So, Sherry, you personally have been in this situation where you've witnessed a devastating diagnosis. This is actually where your book, Sweet Sorrow, starts. So do you want to talk a little bit about that and how things unfolded for you? Well, this happened a decade ago. And so I have a a perspective on this, I think, Tammy, that I did not have when it immediately happened. So I can speak to both then and now. And I think that perspective of time is really helpful uh, for people to hear that. But, you know, 
really, 10 years ago, I was living, um, you know, maybe a charmed life. That might be too strong, but maybe. You know, my uh, my our daughters had sort of just left the nest and were striking out. And I had a parents and a sister ensconced in a retirement community in another state. And my husband and I were just really looking forward to you know, this sort of stage in life. We had just built a house. We were both enjoying our careers. And basically, my really robustly healthy husband, who I don't think had ever been sick. I mean, he would get a sniffle now and then, but rarely saw a doctor, said to me one day, I'm going to schedule an appointment with Brian. Brian was our general practitioner. And I said, oh, you know, and I I guess I was feeling a little shocked because, you know, in the history of our 20-year relationship, I had never heard those words before. So he said, yeah, he said, I think I've been having a little trouble swallowing. So he did, did see the family doctor who wasn't too alarmed but said he needed an upper endoscopy. I wasn't too alarmed either because he always had been so healthy, and also because six weeks prior to this, um, my husband Jay and I had both had extensive blood panel work done, and his was perfect. In fact, I, I think his was better than mine, as I remember. So even though there'd been, there were a couple little things, there were a couple, looking back, a couple little blips on the radar with him that year, like this was this was happening the end of June, and the fa- and and at the holidays that year, we had been visiting um, one of our daughters in Ohio, and he got very sick on the on the drive there, and basically we got there and had to rush him to the emergency room, and it turned out he had a kidney stone, and then he had another kidney stone about a month before this cancer diagnosis. So there were a couple little things, but nothing that would have ever led me to believe that he had inoperable terminal stage four cancer. So we go into the hospital in the morning, and he used to have this upper endoscopy and also a colonoscopy. And I'm still feeling pretty upbeat. I'm You know, they said it'll be an hour or so, maybe an hour and a half. I'm kind of walking around. I went and got a latte at the hospital coffee shop. And, you know, it should have been a red flag, I think, when the nurse came out and said, the doctor will see you now, because usually I think they just say, come on in. But that was not a red flag. Mm -hmm. But when I went in... He took me into a private room, and the surgeon said, and I will never forget, he said, your husband's colonoscopy was clear, but he said, we found a large mass on the upper endoscopy at the base of his esophagus. And I just went into, you know, I went into some kind of, I think I was in disbelief, to be honest, Tammy. Sure, I and then I sort of, of some sort. Yeah, yeah, right. I was shocked, and then I, I sort of became a little challenging, I guess. And I said, "Well, 
he said, I'm sure it's malignant. And I said, well, don't you have to send it out for a biopsy? And he said, oh, we, we're sending it out. But he said, I know it's malignant. It's very large. He said, you need to go up the road 76 miles to Pittsburgh and go to where they have a really highly ranked esophageal cancer center, get an appointment with this surgeon for a treatment plan, yada, 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 yada. Um, I felt like someone, I felt like I was in a boxing match and someone just had gut punched me. Yeah. That's how I felt in that I'm getting moment. a sense of that as you're telling the story. I'm feeling that myself on your right? behalf. Mm-hmm. Because it's sort of like you're living your life and then, and you know, and you're living your life happily, <laughs> you know, and you have all of these dreams and plans, you know, we were going to grow old together. We were now I've been, you know, of course, without him a decade, we, we were going to travel, we were going to spend time with grandkids, you know, there were so many things we wanted to do and we were still sort of in the active phase of our careers, but envisioning in about five years, we would be winding things down. So one of the things that the surgeon said to me, in addition to saying, well, yeah, we sent it out for biopsy, but I know it's malignant and I know you have to get up the road to UPMC and and get with a surgeon and all this. He said, this is deadly. And your husband has six to 12 months to live. Oh. And he so this was is after gone you've already been months. punched was, in the gut. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. And he was gone in six months. Wow. So he, he actually, that surgeon was really accurate when he said six to 12 months. I think 12, maybe he was being hopeful, but um, Jay was gone in six months. And then I will tell you this, this was sort of another revelation, but when you think about cancer, it sort of makes sense to me more now than it did then. When we did get up to UPMC and we met with the esophageal oncologist and the esophageal cancer surgeon, after they did all the scans and the PET scans and all all the things they do, that esophageal cancer oncologist specialist said to us, he's had this tumor for about four years, four years. That was another gut punch because even though there'd been a couple little blips, you know, that year, like I just mentioned with the kidney stones, I would have never guessed that my husband was living with a deadly tumor inside of him for four years that that would end up killing him. I just, you know, and I feel like I knew my husband very well. Mm-hmm. And so that was really a shock too, although I now know enough about cancer to realize that, you know, cancer, a tumor, for example, can start microscopically and take years to develop. And particularly if it's a, a tumor that develops in, re- in response to environmental exposures, 
Um, it, it can be, you know, your DNA gets changed and it can take a really long time for that to grow into a detectable mass. And, you know, one of the other unfortunate things is we know that with some cancers, particularly esophageal cancer, pancreatic cancer, and ovarian cancer, the symptoms stay silent until it's really almost almost too late. Wow. So um, that's sort I find of that fascinating, and I'm really I I want to do another show with you where we're specifically looking at cancer, mm-hmm. what that's about, how we can take care of ourselves and empower ourselves through those kinds of um, health challenges. Um, but I, I do want to talk to you a little bit more because I I know a couple of people that are dealing with this right now. They've received a really devastating diagnosis. Like One a life-threatening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a degenerative brain disorder, yeah. a very rare degenerative brain disorder, another one who has a, a blood disorder. And mm-hmm. um, they're not well-known. I mean, cancer is kind of a more known word. Yeah, and it's, it doesn't it, have to be cancer to be a devastating diagnosis. Exactly. You know, exactly. Parkinson's, so, AL, yes. amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, ALS. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, any of the neurodegenerative disorders, you know, dementia. I mean, those can yeah, be. That's a big one, isn't it? Oh, those can be heart wrenching. So, Sherry, what would you say to somebody that perhaps received a diagnosis and they're starting to walk down this unexpected and scary path? What would you say to them about how to care for their loved one and how to care for themselves? How do you navigate this kind of terrain? Well, I, the first thing I would say is they, you know, they, me, all of us in this situation, we're, we're going into a time in our life where things become unpredictable. Mm-hmm. We're, we're venturing in onto a path where the outcome may be somewhat known, but we're also going into the unknown because... We're walking down a path with a loved one or with ourselves. If we got the diagnosis that represents a virtually a deviation from the path we're on and sort of we're going into the unknown. And I think one of the things that's really hard about that is we don't, in a way, we don't know who we are anymore or we don't know who our loved one is or will become we don't know who will become, you know, there's sort of a, there's a whole questioning about our role and our identity and what is this in the future. And I think, I think one of the biggest things about getting this kind of diagnosis, and again, it's just any diagnosis that you know, it's going to change your life in some radical way. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you probably you're going to feel afraid. And I would say, you know, that's perfectly normal. Um, you're probably going to feel sad and there may be grief and that's perfectly normal. Um, I, I guess one of the sort of pieces of advice or wisdom or something that really helped me that I would recommend is I would say, boy, we really need kinship to surround us around this time. We need a tribe. We need, we also need mentors. So, 
You know, we need um, people who've been on this path and know what it's like to receive a, a devastating diagnosis, and that might mean we go to a support group. Um, that might mean we seek out a navigator at the hospital or someone at the hospital as a therapist or social worker or someone that we can really talk to. It certainly means we need to seek out um, our friends, our family. We cannot get through, I don't think, this new path that we're going to be on with a devastating diagnosis. We cannot get through it without people around us to sort of help us keep afloat mm-hmm. and and keep us from being terribly overwhelmed because it is a really overwhelming thing. I mean, it's like all of a sudden we we are overwhelmed with something that that we really didn't, you know, who's really ever prepared, right? And who wants to be? And who wants oh, to be, you know? It's not something we would want for ourselves or anybody we care about. No. Now, one of the things that I'll say about that is that when you, when you sort of do receive a, a devastating diagnosis, a, a life that you know is going to be life impactful, it's been uh, Carl Jung and Thomas More have called this a dark night of the soul yes. because it's as though you are receiving this information. You didn't choose it. Like you said, you, you wouldn't have ch- chosen it. It's not anything that you asked for, yet it's something that you're going to have to come to grips with. And what I say to people now, a decade later, is that, yes, the dark night of the soul, when you get this sort of devastating diagnosis, it really is a spiritual trial. Yes. And I think it does involve suffering, uh, both for you if you're the caregiver and also for your loved one who might be Uh, receiving a terminal or a degenerative diagnosis. So there is this spiritual trial for people involved, and it does involve suffering. And I think it does happen when, I think the dark night of the soul does happen precisely at these times in life, when life as we've known it begins to crumble. And what's in store for us next is really unknown. And Tammy, I think you're so right. Like if I said to you, well, who who listening would intentionally invite a dark night of the soul into our lives? Because what we know is we know that for an extended period of time, being in this space of walking this path with this diagnosis and all that that's going to mean, that's going to take away from the joys of our everyday life for probably an extended period of time. Yes. Yet what I will say now a decade later is that in some weird kind of way, this dark night of the soul really has the possibility for an expanded life. And the other side, if you want to think about the dark night of the soul as sort of a spiritual wilderness that we're wandering in with this sort of 
diagnosis and everything that ensues after that. Really, the other side of this dark night of the soul is is the light that comes in. And it really does give us an opportunity for what I want to call spiritual awakening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's a situation that is 100% bad news. Of course, I wouldn't have chosen that this happened to me. I would love for my beloved husband to still be physically here with me, although I know he's alongside me in a spiritual sense. I'd love love to be sharing life with him as I did for 20 years. Um, at the same time, though, this process has taught me many, many lessons that I would have never received if this had never happened to me. So perhaps that's the silver lining. Yes. And my teacher said, we're not just here to um, manifest our desires. We're here to grow as souls. And sometimes we grow through um, challenges and turbulence and pain and those dark nights. It's about waking up to the truer truth of who we are, which is the presence of love. And it's not always an easy thing. I mean, this being human thing is a, a tough gig. And I think having compassion for ourselves and everyone that's in a body is important so important. It's so important. And I think you're so right that, you know, as great as it is when everything in our life is going hunky-dory, that's probably not when we grow the most. It's probably not when we stretch the most. I think probably our stretching, you know, our expanding, our growing really does come more from life challenges than from life plateaus when everything sort of is pleasant and stays the same. Yes. So I think there's really something to be said for that. And and I guess one of the things that I would say is sometimes I think, I know if I'm typical of listeners, and I imagine I am, you know, when I got this diagnosis, I was so, in some ways, Tammy, I was so, ego-driven. Like, I I can remember, I mean, you know, I'm not ashamed to say it now because I'm not the same person, but I can remember leaving the hospital with my husband driving home, and my ego mind was saying, oh, darn, I'm going to have to change my hair appointment this week. You know, it's like, how can this diagnosis be interfering with, so interfering with my life? And so I I guess what I would say is that initially we may be very unforgiving and we may not have much compassion, and yet I think those are things that we learn in going down this new path. We learn compassion for ourselves and others, and we learn forgiveness. Yes. And we learn that, you know, hair appointments really aren't all that important. Mm. I think that might be a coping mechanism, too. It's like hanging on to something small as a little life raft in this huge, massive, scary ocean. Yeah. You know, like being in that kind of state of shock. Something sort of normal, although, you know, I will say, I think for a while, everything is, you know, everything does feel sort of upside down. 
And so that's where I think other people can really, really be supportive and really can be kind of be anchors for you because things feel so upside down for us. We need other people to really kind of be our anchors. And I guess another thing that I would say is, again, for me, it was so easy then for me to go into this, what if, what if? And I did really feel in my gut that I knew Jay would get treatment, but I did not feel that he would be cured. And I mean, that was pretty consistent with what we were being told by all the oncologists that eventually the tumor would kill him. And, you know, I would keep going into this what if or what will it be like, you know, like what if, what if I had paid more attention to when he had the kidney stone? You know, what if he had noticed his swallowing issue sooner? And I just want to say to people, don't try not to go into what if. Don't go down that path. Don't go down that path because really that lights up areas in your brain that just creates stress on your body. No good can come from that. Right? No good. And then so that puts sort something of that I risk. think will help people is grabbing a copy of your book, Sweet Sorrow. We just have like 30 seconds left here, Sherry. So please tell them where they can get a copy of your book and connect with okay. you. Okay. Any online um, bookseller you love, like Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, um, some bookstores may have it, some libraries may have it. But if you want it simple and you just want to click, get it with a click, just check. Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and um, I would just say stay present to yourself, stay in divine love, and stay in compassion the best that you can, and reach out to other people when you feel lost. I think that's fantastic wisdom. And grab a copy of Sherry's book, Sweet Sorrow, Finding Enduring Wholeness After Loss and Grief. To my listeners, just know that you're in our heart and prayers, and we're sending you blessings of compassion, respect, and great love. Be in touch with me, TammyBPhD.com. If there's anything you want to talk about, just know, again, that we adore you. We appreciate you, and we're sending you blessings. Take good, gentle, compassionate care of yourself. Onward and upward. I hope to connect again soon. Bye for now. 